listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. The ushers are coming forward with Bibles, and if you did not bring a Bible, I encourage you to uh, just raise your hand. They would love to give you one of those Bibles to use this morning, and if you would like to take that Bible home with you, if you don't have a Bible at home, feel free to take that Bible with you. You can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 3. Ephesians chapter 3 as we uh, begin a little mini-series, a two-week series on pray. And, uh, and, and I trust that the Lord will meet us as we go through this passage here today and, and as we take these timeless truths that God would do a new work, a fresh work in each one of us. And, and I just marvel at God's goodness and how he teaches me in and through the word here this morning and has profound lessons already that he has taught me and through the word and through practical living out of these truths already. And, and may God do a great work in each one of us. We started last week, kind of the first Sunday of the new year, by asking two questions, and, and, and it was two, two very important questions, very much these questions, really the success, if you want to call it, and how 2018 goes will really be determined on, on, on how we answer these questions and, and, um, and, and, and give consideration to this. God, what do you want to do in me? And God, what do you want to do through me this year? What new work, what deeper work, and what areas are you calling me to grow in my trust, in my sanctification, an area of, of sin, a, a trouble with, with addiction, or whatever it is, the, the, those little secret corners of my life that are to be exposed and allow God to do a new work and a fresh work in us and through us. And, and God, how do you want to use me? God didn't save you just to sit on a chair and, and just go about living your life, but to serve him and to live your life for his honor, his glory, his purposes. How is he calling you in this next year to build up his church, to encourage, to bless, to teach, to share with others? And we spent time last week at looking at Colossians chapter 1, and, 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 and we looked at God's mission, his plan, his will for our lives for 2018, and, and we spent time looking it. Okay, so God, this is your plan. What, is, what am I going to do? How am I going to live out these truths? And we closed last Sunday, though, kind of answering, asking a bit of a question, and we didn't deep, dig deep into the answer. It, and, and that question was, where does the power come from? Where does the strength, where does the energy come? Because for many of us, we can be pretty worn out, tired. We have a lot of issues. We have a lot of things going on. And now it's this new work that God wants to do in me and through me. God, where does the power come from? I'm barely hanging on. I'm struggling in this area. I'm struggling in relationships. I'm struggling about fear, anxiety. I'm struggling with things of the past. I'm, 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 I'm concerned about things for the future. And, and, and where does the power come from for this? How do we tap into God's power? How is God's power made real in our lives? How do we receive that power? After all, Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 120 times in the New Testament, the word power is used. And that word power is, is where we now now get the English word dynamite from. This is dynamic power. This isn't just a little flatline, little, you know, uh, nine volt battery power. You, you ever put one of those on your tongue? It gives you a little bit of a shot, you know, 
I love doing that. Uh, I don't know, just, you know, it, I, I can be your battery tester for you if you want. You know, love that little shot that it gives you. But that's not a lot of power. That power, 9-volt power isn't going to get you very far. It isn't going to power your car. It's not going to power your computer or your phone very long. But, 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 but where do we get this power from? We are, there's, there's the promise of dynamic, dynamite power. Ephesians 1, earlier in, in the text here, it, it talks about the power. The power that raised Christ from the dead is available for those who believe. Do you need some power today? Do you need an infusion of God's power upon your life? And we can hear these promises. We can know the promises. We can read the word of God. And yet, sadly, we never experience this as a living reality in our lives. It's kind of like, I'm hearing this, I know this, but I'm just not living it. I'm just not feeling it. I have no power. The power I get is coming from my coffee. It's coming from my smoothie that, that I, I make in the morning. That's where my power it comes just through, through, you know, I'm, I come from a, a background of hard workers and that's, you know, that's how I'm going to muscle through life. No. There's a promise for power, for divine power, for God's power, dynamic power, explosive power in our lives. And perhaps you would say, if you were to be honest, if you were to be truly honest with God, with yourself, with those around you even today, you would say, you would not describe your Christian life right now, or maybe it's been for a very long time, as not having a lot of joy, not a lot of victory. There's not a lot of peace. There's a lot of fear and confusion. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of frustration. You get so angry. You say, I lack self-control. Where's the power? I struggle with fear. I struggle with, with self-confidence. I struggle with issues from the past. Where's the power? And maybe you are truthfully asking even that question here this morning, maybe even trying to ignore that question. You've given up. You say, I guess it's, it's not for me. That power, the power that you're talking about, Meldon, that's for someone else. It's for the super spiritual. It's for that person who, who, who grew up, you know, in the church, who grew up in the faith, who, who went to Bible school. Now they know how to tap into, into God's power. They should know how, but not for me. I, I, I don't have that kind of a background. I don't have that kind of understanding. Or, or you might think it's not for people with a stained past, not with a checkered past. If you only knew the sins that I committed, there, there, there's no way that, that, that God would ever allow his power to be real in my life. I'm too much of a mess for God's power to be experienced in my life. And we end up living because of various reasons or excuses or just because we are distracted, we become complacent in our spiritual lives and, and we found some success, some victory, some power in our own way, in our own thinking. That's going to run out. That's going to be, like we talked last week, it's going to be that hole that we're going to keep filling and it's never going to be full. It, we're going to keep striving and looking and, and, and it will never, never be filled. Where does this power come from? How do we... Rise above living subpar, going through the motions, Christian life, kind of have it as, you know, kind of like your, you know, that little insurance policy in case anything happens. And where does this dynamic power come from? How do we tap into it? And my prayer is that today and, and, and next week over these two Sundays as we look to God's word here in Ephesians 3 and we seek to not only hear these truths, once again proclaim, some of you have heard these verses hundreds and hundreds, you've read them hundreds and hundreds of times, not only seek to, 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 to hear them but to, to apply these truths to our lives. 
And that as individuals and as a church, we would experience the power of God in a deeper way, in a new way, in a dynamic, that, there, that, that victory would become the norm in our life. And experiencing God's power and see God do more than we could ask or imagine. And the key way that this is going to happen is as we pray, as we are people of pray, prayer. And I know what some of you are thinking already, oh boy, not on this whole prayer thing. I've tried that. I've done that. It hasn't worked. Let's look at it again. We're going to see that, that God's power is activated in our lives, in the lives of individuals and in a church as we abide in Christ. When we get alone with God, when we meet with him on a daily basis, if you're just showing up and saying, hey God, it's once a week, it's kind of my, my once a week thing here with you, don't expect there to be a lot of power flowing in, a, in and out of your life from God. When we get alone with God and we seek to, to, on a daily basis, at times hourly basis, when we gather weekly together as the body of Christ, we gather in a spirit of humility and dependency upon God and we're repenting of our sins, we're yielding to the Holy Spirit, we're desiring to apply the word of God to our lives, we then find ourselves in a position to be strengthened in our inner being, to experience the power of God, the calling that God has, has set out for us can then be realized in our lives as we set our affections on him. When we are concerned more for God's glory than our own glory, when we want to give God the credit and not us receive the credit, when that happens, folks, when, when, when we are living a life like this, there is a transfer of power from Almighty God into our hearts, into our inner being that flows out. Oh, may we be a people that pray. May we be a church that grows, that seeks the face of God individually, together, as families, with one another, and experience, experience the victory from God. May there be victory over sin in our lives. Power a new power source that we're drawing on to face the battles and the struggles that have been walking, have been a part of our lives, perhaps for, for weeks, months, even decades. Talk about winning the lost for Christ. This is, this is where the power comes from, to win the lost for Christ, to mature, to, to, to mature believers in Christ. Talk about making a difference in this valley for the cause of the gospel if we are going in his power and his strength. May we not be content, folks, with lesser things, but desire and seek the greater God's infinite almighty power that is so available. As I mentioned last week, I was telling you how I've been having some troubles with my truck and uh, uh, some electrical power issue that is causing the power locks not to work as well as the driver um, Power window. Now you say, well, that's first world problems. Remember in the olden days when we had power nothing? The bit of the problem with that is that my key doesn't work so good on the door lock. And so sometimes I'll stand out in front of my vehicle for up to a minute trying to get the key in there just right and pull it back a little bit in order to get into the vehicle. As well, it's a real pain to order drive through when your window doesn't open. You know, and so this is like big time problems. And, and so, you know, I've been, you know, trying to figure it out. It happened before, but it just seemed my battery needed a little extra charge. So I charged the battery. 
I bought a new battery. I, I, I told you last week that sometimes the best fix on something is just to disconnect, to reset it, to, to you know, and one of the things I read is I, is I YouTube this whole thing or Googled it and, and found out that, you know, you, I, I disconnected it overnight, the whole battery, just kind of opportunity to let it all reset. And then last weekend, I read about, or, or I found online a little tutorial on uh, another thing to try, and it didn't really seem to make a lot of sense. And I thought, oh, I need a bit of time to do this, plus that seems really silly. I don't know how that's ever going to work. But then on Monday, it was my day off, and I kind of figured, you know what, I've got to get to the bottom of this. So I, I took out the door panel, super easy, two screws, was able to lift it out, disconnect a few cables, and you see where those little arrows are. Those little, I'm going to call them, I'm probably, like those of you that understand this story, I'm going to butcher the English language when it comes to describing this kind of thing. I'm going to call those little transformers. Those little transformers that you see the arrows at, apparently there's a problem with, with those things that, that they need to be reset. And so you reset it by turning it over. There's a picture of it. As you turn it over by just taking and, and, and putting a screw that I had taken out from the door panel, just any kind of a screw, and putting it on the backside of that and holding it for two to three seconds to draw the power that was left in those little transformers that was causing a fault which caused my windows and my locks not to work. And I thought, that is just so silly, makes no sense. Tried it, it worked. I, I connected it all and I'm like, Unbelievable. I, like, I felt like I was, you know, like Joe Mechanic. Like, I could put mechanics out of business now, you know, with, with this little fix. I went back on YouTube. I put a thumbs up on that little video and then, like, right on. This guy, he knows what he's talking about. Next time, shoot a clearer video so it's even a little clearer to see. But it was just amazing to be able to fix this. And, 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 and the fix was so easy. And here I knew about it, but I had to actually get in there and do something about it. And you see, folks, I think in so many ways that, 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 that in the same way that what we're talking about here in our own lives, to experience the power of God, it's not some bizarre, difficult, over, uh, uh, just over-the-top kind of work or energy or, or whatever needs to happen here in order for this to get working in our lives for us to experience the power of God. Like what Pastor Robbie says, prayer is the easiest thing to do, and yet it's the hardest thing to do because you got to get in there and you got to do it. And today we're not talking about anything bizarre. We're talking biblical. We're talking about something relatively simple, and we're going to start with one easy step today. And in order for us to experience and to tap into God's unlimited power and for it to be displayed for his glory in our lives, we need to follow some simple steps and we're going to be doing that here this morning. You see, there's such a great danger that exists in a room like this. We can have great biblical teaching and understanding. We can have it all in our brain. We can have it all in our laps. It's right there before us. The mighty, the powerful word of God. But in order for it to become a reality in our lives, we've got to get busy, we've got to engage, we've got to get doing it, and, 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 and not just thinking about it, but trusting, taking this step of faith, moving ahead in trusting God for immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I, I trust that as we look to this prayer in Ephesians 3, that God's power would be activated in a dynamic way in our lives that we've never experienced before, 2018 would be the power year, the year that we experience the power of God in a new way, in a fresh way in our lives and in our church. And the book of Ephesians actually contains two prayers. 
Two significant prayers by the Apostle Paul. Shayon preached on the first one uh, a couple weeks ago from Ephesians chapter 1. And Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. Remember how much he loved this church? He spent three years there in that church. But now Paul is writing this letter some years later from prison. He's imprisoned in in Rome. He's awaiting trial. He doesn't know what the outcome is going to be. A chance that he could be put to death. What an opportunity was this for Paul sitting in prison in Rome, far away from dear ones, from these churches that he's had a significant part in in, in establishing and this dear church in Ephesus where he had good friends, where he he saw God do some amazing things. What an opportunity in prison to get discouraged, to get frustrated, to say, fine, if that's all, I do this all for God and this is what happens to me? What an opportunity to become bitter or to say, I quit or be angry at God. And instead, as you read the book of Ephesians, that's not happening at all. This guy is pumped. This guy is writing. And, 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 and as you read it this week, a challenge for you, and as you'll see in the study guide uh, for our small groups, and even if you're not yet a part, you need to be part of a small group, you can do that study. You can look at that study. And you read the first three chapters of, of the book of Ephesians, and you see Paul not, hi, Paul, sitting here in prison. No, this guy is pumped, and he's writing, and he's excited to be able to, to, to share these truths. And, and then right in the middle of what he's writing, he just stops and he prays. He just, he's writing the letter and he's starting out in in chapter one and then all of a sudden, boom, he's praying. He's giving some instruction, teaching some encouragement, boom, he starts, starts praying in chapter one. And instead of just kind of, you know, closing the letter saying, oh, I'm praying for you. No, he's actually doing it. You know, we got to apply that practice more and more to our lives. How often do we say to people at the end of a conversation or partway through, oh, I'll be praying for you. You know, and we walk away, stop. And pray right then, right there. Just quit talking about it amongst ourselves. Bring God into the conversation. Bring him into that. That stop and drop whatever you're doing and praying. I have a, Charlotte and I have a couple who have been a good friend for us, with us for, for many years. And, and I remember years ago them telling us how they would be in the midst of an argument. You know, one of those good couple argument where, you know, you, the, and, 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 and I guess they would have some pretty spitfiery ones. And, and, and she would say, it would drive me nuts. Because she says, we're in the middle of this argument and it's going pretty well for her anyway, she seemed to think. And all of a sudden her husband just stopped. He bowed his head and he just, oh dear Lord. And he starts praying. She said, I'd be so mad because I still had so much fight in me. And he just starts praying. And, oh, and, and even as she told the story to us, you could just see it just drives her crazy. But she said, but it's the right thing to do. And it's amazing how that argument, just how, how bringing God into it, stopping and bringing God into the, the situation in prayer. Oh, to, for that to be a part of our lives. Honestly, this morning, folks, I have to live this truth. This morning I was up, I was working on this message and, and, and there's still some, kind of my Sunday morning early is, is closure time. That's where it all kind of seems to come together as I'm reviewing it and all of a sudden I'm realizing things aren't the way that it should and I'm getting frustrated. I'm looking at the clock and it's just like the time is, you know, and, 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 and I knew what I should be doing. I'm calling out to God. I'm saying, okay, God, help me. But I also knew there was another step I needed to do. It was like, humble yourself, Meldon. And you need to put it out there. You need to send a few quick text messages out to a few people who you know would be up at this time and get them praying. And it's amazing as I did that and just sent out a few of these text messages. One of them was to my dad. I said, Dad, pray. This message is struggling. Pray. Because then I'm getting anxious and all of this is going on. And 
And I'm telling you, without, like, without any exaggeration, within minutes of sending out those text messages, there is just the peace of God. Why? Because we are praying. And we are, I wasn't just praying on my own. There's times I need the body of Christ to be praying for me. And then my dad, just so true to, to who he is, as I was in the truck and I was driving, the phone rings and, and I answer it. And, and he says, Melvin, he says, Mom and I are just here. We're both sick today, but we're praying for you. And boom, he just goes into prayer. And like, that's the best thing ever. Didn't, you know, you can do it, you know, and all of this, and none of this charge up. We're just go to God. Let's get busy. Let's get praying. And this is what Paul is doing here in, in this chapter. He, he, he's going to pray. The Bible tells us that, that we are to pray, that we are to seek him in prayer. And, 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 and that prayer that Sheon preached on in chapter 1, it, it was a prayer that Paul was praying for, for the believers in Ephesus. But, but even that the beginning of the book, when he's addressing, he, he's writing to all believers. He's writing this to you. And he's praying, oh, that your eyes would be opened would your minds be enlightened to the truth of the gospel? Would you just be so alerted to, to, to these truths that, that he's, just, he's writing about in the previous chapters? And so the first prayer in Ephesians 1 was for understanding. The second prayer here that we're going to look at today was for application. The first prayer was for enlightenment. This one is for enablement. The first prayer was, God, give wisdom. The second prayer is, God, give me the power to be able to live the life that you desire for me to live. So I want to read this prayer in chapter 3, starting at verse 14. And Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, you, he's writing, you, not just Ephesians, you would be rooted and grounded in love. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now love this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that you ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And then he's writing this solid amen at the end of this prayer. And then he continues on in chapter 4 with some practical instruction on how to live out the truths in the first three chapters. Do you see what we've just read here, though? When you read this verse, when, when you hear this being read, these verses here this morning, this is a prayer about the power of God within us that would be a power that would exceed our imagination, exceed our comprehension. That is what is available. That is what God, that's what Paul is praying, that God would bestow upon us this power that is beyond our imagination. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or imagine. Folks, that's beyond your wildest dreams. That's beyond our comprehension. That's what he's wanting to do and accomplish in and through us. I want to be clear, though, with these verses, because these verses can easily and so oftentimes are so abused by false teachers and prosperity gospel people. This does not mean that this is a prayer or a promise for God to help my goals be achieved, my dreams my plan to be rich, my plan to be successful, my plan to be influential. This is not a prayer about an easy life, a struggle-free life, because that just isn't biblical. You just don't see that in the Word of God. This is a prayer 
that God would be glorified. This is a prayer about being strengthened first and foremost, not have all our outer details taken care of, that we'd be strengthened from our inner man, that no matter what comes our way, there's a power, there's a strength, there's a resilience that, that is within us because it's not from us, it's from him. And it flows out then and it, it, it affects and it touches the lives of others. This was a prayer about being strengthened. You see, Paul more than being preoccupied about their physical well-being, he was, he was more occupied and concerned about their inner being. You think about how many of our prayers that we pray as parents, as grandparents, that we pray as students in the workforce, how many of our prayers are focusing on the physical things around us? We, we pray for our bodies. We, we pray for health. We pray for strength. We pray for help on this exam. All of these physical things. And yes, God is concerned about our physical. Yes, th those are things we can be, pray, be, be praying for. But, but the balance on those things that we pray for just outweigh what God wants us to be focusing on. And, and it is... It, let's face it, folks. Our bodies are going to decay. The outer man is decaying. It's getting old. <laughs> I just have to look in the mirror. Um, we, we have a big one, and, and, and so I can look at myself and my wife at the same time. I just have to look at, no, I have to look at myself in the mirror and I just realize, I'm getting old. This age thing is happening. But this is a prayer not about just our physical well-being. This is a prayer that we would be strengthened, that, that we would be renewed from, from the inside. And then that just flows out. This is a prayer to, not for my glory, this is a prayer for God's glory. This is a prayer, not for you to be an individual out there living for Christ, but to be connected. This is a prayer for the body of Christ that we are to be connected to and a part of. This is a prayer about God being glorified, empowering us through joy, through sor sorrows, through victories, defeat, through sickness, through health, whether in great need or in seasons of great supply, God, would you be glorified. So over the next two weeks, we're going to be working through this prayer. But today, we're just going to look at the first couple of verses here because I believe it sets up, it sets up the rest of this prayer in such a, a, a mighty and a powerful way. And so Paul gives us some big, legitimate reasons why we ought to pray. Why do we pray? We often, well, we're supposed to, Christians are supposed to pray. Prayer changes things. Prayer is communication. We have all kinds of different ideas and thoughts for this, but, but Paul, we see here really clearly why we ought to pray. And the first thing it says uh, here, we're going to look in verse 14, and here's the first reason why we pray. Because of all that God has done. We pray because of all that God has done. Look at verse 14, first few words. For this reason. For this reason I'm praying. What is Paul talking about for this reason? Now when you're studying the word of God and you see something like therefore, you have to do what? You have to see what it is there for. You've got to look further back to just what was written and see what that therefore is about. Well, in the same way, here when it comes to this word or, or this phrase, for this reason, we, we have to stop reading ahead, stop for a moment and look back and see what the author, what, what the writer is, is, is talking about. So, so let's just back it up. If you look in Ephesians chapter 3 there, you see what is he talking about. And, and, and for the 13 verses before that, he is talking about a great mystery in the gospel, just a, a mind blown, something that he is just having his mind blown over. But look at verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. There you see, again, it starts out for this reason. He was ready to start praying at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. And then, oh, he thought of another thing. 
ever happened to you? You start telling a story and then you, you, you kind of make a little trail off and you tell another story and another story and then, oh yeah, I'm back to my point now. Does it ever happen to you? I think the older you get, the more that happens. And, 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 and here's what's happening with Paul. At 3 verse 1, he is ready to start praying, but then oh, another reason of, of, of God's goodness and, and, and this mystery of the gospel that, that, that he's experiencing. And so he writes 13 more verses basically on, on that mystery and what, you know, and, and, and so by verse 14, he's ready to pray. Well, at 3 verse 1, if, again, for this reason, what's he talking about previous to that? And this is an incredible encouragement exercise for you to do this week. Read the first three chapters. Actually, read all three chapters of the book of Ephesians this week. And in the first three chapters up until verse 14, read all that God has done through Christ. You will be busy, busy, busy writing those things down. All that God has accomplished. All that he has done. And so... By the time he gets to chapter 3, he, his mind is just like exploding with all of the reasons why he wants to pray. And one of the things we see that, that is so true, take a look at Ephesians chapter 1. Just go over a couple pages. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Right at the start we see what he writes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. First thing he says here, look how he addresses them. Look at how he addresses us as believers. He calls us saints. He calls us saints. The term saint is, is not some category that you're given if you've lived an extraordinary life after you die, that, that all of a sudden you become a safe saint. The Roman Catholic Church has that definitely very wrong, where, where they believe that, that, that if you've lived an extraordinary life here on earth, and then up after your death, people are praying, not in Jesus' name, but are praying in your name, and there can be two, at least two miracles that are attributed to them praying in your name, then you have the opportunity to then be declared a saint. That's not what God's word says that's not what God's word declares to us when it comes to us being declared as saints. The, the, the term saint is a living reality for each person who has trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, confessing before God that you are a sinner and that you need to be saved and you come and are saved by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, that you are willing, you are turning, you've turned away from sin and you're pressing towards Christ. If this is a, a living reality in your life, God declares you to be a saint. It means being holy. It, it means being set apart for God's use. That is what we are. When we're in Christ, we're saints. And, and, and as you continue to read, just, just some of the things here just that you can glean out of these first three chapters in the book of Ephesians, it, it talks about all these blessings, all these benefits. It's about a new identity in Christ. He writes that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we have power to overcome the sins that we, the, the, that, that we stumble and struggle with. Goes on to say, we are no longer dead in our sin, but we've been made alive to Christ. We have forgiveness of sin. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are united with Christ. That we are God's workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We are his artwork. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives. You are no longer aliens and strangers, but 
but instead we are brought close to him. The wall of hostility that, was, that existed between us and God has been broken down because of our faith in Jesus Christ upon what the work that he did on the cross where fellow citizens were brought into God's household. These are the benefits. This is the glory. This is what our God has done. And right before this prayer in chapter 3, he writes about another great mystery. When you read that this week, you're going to see that, that Paul writes uh, uh, incredible that it's just blowing his mind. Now, we read this. We don't understand the culture. We don't understand in, 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 in the degree that he understood and what he experienced, what was going on here. But his mind in chapter 3 is just being blown with the truth reality that God has saved and can save both Jews and Gentiles and, has, and brings them together into the same body. This was huge. This was huge for someone like Paul and, and, and for him to experience. You see, you have to understand how for centuries, these two groups, the Israelites, the Jews, and the Gentiles, the non-Jews, hated each other. The Jews considered Gentiles to be dogs and not nice little puppy dog, but, but, but that irritating scavenger mutt that comes around and runs around in a pack, that's, that's how they saw Gentiles. In fact, some writings even said that Jews considered Gentiles to be only good for the fuel, to be the fuel for hell, that their bodies would be used for the fuel for hell. That's what they thought of them. And for centuries, the Gentiles persecuted the Jews at any opportunity that they had politically, but even just in practical ways. They, if there was an opportunity to, 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 for war, for violence, for bloodshed, they were all in on that. And for centuries, you have this going on between Jews and between Gentiles. And then all of a sudden, God interrupts this long history of hate and violence and through his son provides salvation for all people. Whether it be Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male, female, doesn't matter. We're all one. We, we can all be saved when we call upon the name of the Lord. But we're not just saved. We're brought into the same family. There's unity. There's love. There's forgiveness. Oh, doesn't come easy. Doesn't come naturally. It comes by continuing to rely on Jesus and remember the cross and remember his love and for his forgiveness. Folks, when, when the world would see, and, and by this time, the Apostle Paul has seen thousands upon thousands of Jews come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, identifying him as the Messiah, the awaited one. And he has seen thousands upon thousands of Gentiles come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, leave their life of paganism and follow the way of Jesus Christ. And they're united together in the body of Christ. And that sends an explosive message to the world around them. Folks, when the church of Jesus Christ, when believers, brothers and sisters in Christ dwell together in unity, there is power, there is blessing that can be experienced, and God shows up in a mighty way. And this is what Paul is writing about because he has seen the mystery of God and salvation for the Jews and for the Greeks, and it's just blowing his mind. God not only saves, he unites. It's not a theological concept that he saves us, but he brings us together. And in order to serve, and this happens as we serve one another, as we love one another, as we forgive one another, 
as we worship together, as we pray together. God unites people. And this is what I love about the church. This is what I love about Harvest, that, that we have all ages. And we're able to, to, to learn together and, and people from all different backgrounds, experiences. And God unites us together. We work together. We pray together. We serve together. We love together. We forgive together. And as a result, look at what, what it says in verse 14. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Again, this, this is just amazing what you end up seeing here when you understand the context of what's going on. This puts Paul down on his knees. This reality, this truth. Now, the normal, ordinary posture when it, in, in those days when it came to prayer was to stand. Was to stand oftentimes kind of on the back of your feet, kind of rocking back and forth with your hands up. This is how they would pray. Even when you go to Israel, even now, and, and, and you see the people against that wailing wall, and as they're praying, they're not kneeling. They're, they're, they're standing like this. And, and this was the ordinary Jewish kind of, or Christian custom was to stand and pray like this. Only at times of great emotion would we see people on their knees praying? We see that Jesus in the garden. What is he? He's down. I mean, he, he's on his knees praying in, in, in Mark chapter 14 as, as he is facing the cross and he knows everything that's going to be happening to him. We see Paul and the Ephesian elders on their knees together praying in Acts 20, a very emotional time there because he was, was saying farewell and this was, he gave him that farewell charge. We preached on that just back in, uh, before the new year, back in December. And, and he was together there with, with the Ephesian elders and, and they're kneeling in a very emotional time. And so here we even see Paul is just moved by the immensity of what he's been writing about. These words are so wonderful. He's on his knees just, and for this reason, I'm on my knees praying for all that God has done. He's so moved. Do we ever take time to ponder? Paul has just been pondering. He's been writing about all that God has done. Do we take time to ponder what Christ has done for us? Are we ever moved in our worship? Are we ever moved before God in our homes or wherever we might be to get on our knees and say, oh God, thank you, thank you. We need to take time to ponder and to worship and to remember and, and, and to go over these truths. And I pray that this week that, that as you work through Ephesians 1 to 3, yeah, this is a church that gives homework. You gotta get in the word. The, the word is life-changing. It'll change your life. You read this and you're just like, wow, this is what he's done. I trust that after you read through this, you'll just get on your knees and say, God, thank you. Thank you for saving me, a sinner. Thank you for all of these benefits. Thank you for all of these blessings. I don't deserve them, but God, I thank you and I praise you. Oh, that we'd be moved in such a way. See, there's a danger that the word of God and the gospel truths can just become ho-hum. Ho-hum, I know this stuff. Ho-hum, I grew up with this stuff. Ho-hum, I've heard this for the last few years. No, Paul is undone by the mercy of God for his saving power. A, a, a Jesus, a savior who saves all, anyone and all people will call on the name of the Lord. So why do we pray? So why do we pray? Because of all that God has done. Second of all, we pray because of who God is. Because of who God is. Look at what he says. I bow my knees before the Father. He's not saying I bow my knees before the king, the judge, the creator, the ruler. Now those things are all true about God. But he's showing the privilege that we have when we come to him in prayer. We come to him as father. A perfect father. Paul's not coming before God and seeing God as some cold, far, distant, indifferent, unloving, distant, angry deity and it's like, oh, it's you again. <laughs> what do you want this time? You have to realize, folks, that for any of us, no matter what kind of an earthly father we have, God is not the face of your father. 
He isn't. We may have had good fathers here on this earth. I think one of the, the times that some of the biggest lies are told are Father's Day and Mother's Day. When, when we write cards or different things and, and we say, you are the best dad in the world. I know my kids at times have written that and I look at them, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I have failed over and over. I'm glad you see that and I'm glad you're writing it, but I'm not the best dad in the world. I want to tell you who the best dad in the world is. It's God the Father, Abba Father. He is the best. He is the perfect, the loving Father. And I'm thankful for all the good dads in this room. I'm thankful for all the good dads that we've had, but we also know that, that we're human, that we struggle, that, that we're not always wise in our judgments. We are selfish. We do things that are wrong that can hurt others, hurt our families. But Paul is not coming before God in a God, like in a fearful way. He's not coming towards an angry God. He's coming towards a loving God. Jeremiah 33, 3, God says, call to me. He says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. He says, call to me, I'll answer. He's a father who promises to draw nigh to us, to draw near to us if we draw near to him. He's not going to come and force himself on you. You have, to, you have to draw near to him. We come to him. And when we do, we come as father. We have a perfect, a loving, heavenly father. And this word father conveys to us acceptance and generosity and kindness and perfection. He's perfect in all of his ways. And that's how we are to approach him. We, 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 we pray. Why do we pray? We pray because of all that God has done. We pray because of who God is. He's our father. And when Jesus, when Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? He started that prayer. He says, here's how to pray. Our father. He didn't go into some long introduction covering off all of the attributes and all the different names for God. No, he said, you, you approach him as father. He's our father. Our heavenly father. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Jesus said, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? We have a generous father who just wants to give and give and give to his children. It's not going to spoil us, but he knows what to give. He, he knows what is best to give. Romans 8, 15, it says, For you do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, or what's another word for that? Daddy, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. That's, that's our God. That's our God who saves. That's our God who heals. That's our God who comes near. This is the God that we approach Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if, chil and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We're in the family. He's our father. We're his sons. We're his daughters. And that gives us the third reason why we pray is, is because of whose family we belong to. Look at verse 15, it says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. See, when we call out to God, he saves. When we call out to him as our Lord and our Savior, he saves and he brings us into his family and we get his name. We become citizens of his kingdom. We become heirs 
of all that he has. Joint heirs with Jesus. He sees us in the way that he sees his son Jesus. He loves us. We become citizens. We become part of his family. This is an authoritative declaration and this is for all who either here on earth who have trusted in Jesus and those who are in heaven who are enjoying the glories of heaven. We're part of his family. We're brought in. We're brought near. And because of that, we can come to him boldly in prayer. This is, this is a powerful, powerful reality, folks. This is, this is why we pray. It's based on these realities of who God is, what he has done, and, and, and how he, he's brought us into, our, our, into his family. We don't pray out of guilt, out of duty, but because we're family. It's communication with our Lord, with our God, with our Father. And this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to close our service a little bit differently. We're going to take a time of just some extended worship together. Songs, hymns, reminding us of who God is and what he has done because of who he is. And I trust that, that this morning you, would, you wouldn't care what you sound like. You would sing these words. You would look at those words with meaning. And that you would dwell on those words and those, those words would just have impact in your life and you would just worship God, our Abba, Daddy, Father. Next week, we're going to see how we can pray this prayer, but we have to see the reason why we pray and how we can come before him as children, needing a touch from the Father, needing help from the Father. And maybe today, as we gather, I, I can't assume we're all on the same page. We're all in different places in our walk with the Lord and our experience with him and how we're even doing today. Some of you spent time in the word of, the word of God this morning. Some of you were out the door and there was no time for that. Some of you have, there's been some distance growing between you and God, between you and others. Maybe it's an area of sin that needs to be confessed, that is causing that distance. Sin will do that. Unconfessed sin, living a life contrary to God's word will put a distance between us. It's not God who's moved, we've moved. I encourage you to spend time confessing and repenting of any area of sin, praying a simple prayer, search me, O God, and try my heart. Search me, know, uh, know my heart, know my mind. See if there's any wicked way in me. And confess those areas of sin, make things right with him. But perhaps you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to know that you will have to die for your sins. You will. And that also means that you will be eternally separated from God forever and suffer the consequences and punishment for your sins. That's, that's a gospel reality. You will have to suffer. You will have to pay. But you can join his family and you can join his family even today by admitting, yes, I am a sinner. I've fallen short of God's standard. I've sinned. But by believing by faith, this is a step of faith, believing that Jesus through his life, through his death, his burial, through his resurrection, provided the substitutionary payment. He paid the payment that we have coming for us for our sins. And if we choose to turn from our sin and choose to trust in him, we become a part of his family. His spirit is deposited in us. We have access to him in prayer. We have his power that is available to us. And today wouldn't it be wonderful 
If today you walked out of here knowing that God was your heavenly Abba, Daddy, Father, if you've never done that today, we want to spend time worshiping, praying. If you'd love... If you'd like to have a word of prayer, just spend some time as we're worshiping just at the front. If that is something for you that is significant and something that, that, that you need to just spend some time and just make that walk, you make that walk. This is just a season now as we sing a number of these songs. Time of worship, time spent worshiping our Savior. So are we ready to pray? We're ready to pray because of what God has done. All that he has done. Because of who God is, we can approach him as Father, loving Father who wants us, who wants us to come to him, not keep running. Because of whose family we belong to. I am his and he is mine. We have reason to worship, we have reason. And then we'll see next week a boldness in our prayer. Let's stand together in our worship.